Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yow, show number 997. This week on Cars Yow, we're celebrating the La Jolla Concours de Elegance that takes place on April 6th, 7th, and 8th in my hometown, beautiful La Jolla, California, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. You can learn more about attending this spectacular event at LaJollaConcours.com. Get dressed and show up for work and good things will happen, you know, so half the battle is just doing that. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest to Bob Kerner. Hey, Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to roll. All right, here we go. Bob Kerner is a board member of the La Jolla Concord Elegance and the Senior Vice President of Lockton Insurance Brokers. Lockton provides their clients, who are ultra-high net worth families, with insurance protection for their offices, homes, estates, collectibles, yachts, aircrafts, automobiles, and more. Bob's support for the La Jolla Concord includes assisting in generating sponsorship money, managing the photography and videography, and working with subcommittee members who secure automobiles for this spectacular event. Bob's a frequent attendee at Pebble Beach Car Week, Amelia Island Concours, the Copper State 1000 Rally, as well as numerous automotive auctions around the country. So, Bob, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your involvement with the La Jolla Concours and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Thank you, Mark. I'd be delighted to. You know, I've been a car enthusiast all my life. I've also been an athlete all my life, and I think both those passions started at a very young age. The athletic part was culminated um, with a recognition from uh, my high school 35 years after the fact when my old coach, who's now the athletic director, called and said, Bobby, we created a Hall of Fame. And you are being inducted. So wow, uh, I cool. think I was the, the fifth high school basketball player in the 112-year history of my high school. So I'm really proud of that. But it, it's something that immortalizes you and um, or memorializes you as well. And so that's kind of cool. But um, you know, as it relates to my love of cars, I'll share a great story with the listeners at some point during our conversation. But that also became a passion at a young age. You know, my work here at Lockton Insurance Brokers, I'm basically an insurance advisor to very wealthy families. They typically have dates and homes all over the country and sometimes outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. We provide solutions for all those. We bring great risk management consultation for collectibles such as fine art and jewelry. I insure the daily drivers as well as the collector cars. I take care of yachts, planes, and high limits of liability coverage on their umbrella to protect their way of life Mm. and standard of living. So that's my role at Lockton, and um, I've been doing this for 18 fast years now, and and it's gone by quickly, (laughs) I think, because I enjoy it. The thing that struck me early in my insurance career is is I quickly realized that many of my clients were car collectors, and I thought I really need to incorporate something that I'm passionate about within my business. And so I began attending all the concours that, that I could manage into my schedule, cars and coffees on Saturday mornings, uh, road rallies, 
auctions, you name it. So it's it's been something that I've really made a conscious effort to be a part of and really felt like I needed to take it to another level about five years ago. So I, um, I joined the board of the La Jolla Concorde de Elegance, and I've been very passionate about my work at the event and, and the great folks that I work with there. So it's it's been a great ride. Oh, absolutely. Michael Dervier was a guest on the show yesterday, and it's one of the things we talked about when we were discussing the event and business and life is the importance of surrounding yourself with great people. And the one thing I found of my entire life being around car people, they are great people. I mean, they're just passionate. They're wonderful. It crosses all socioeconomic barriers when you get involved in a car show. You could be standing next to somebody who's got one very inexpensive car, or the guy could be a billionaire with lots of cars in his garage and your instant buddies and friends. So that's a common thing amongst all the people I talk to here. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bob, take the wheel. Thanks, Mark. You know, I just a quick comment on, on something that you just said, and, and that's as you attend car shows, it's not like politics where there's Democrats and Republicans and there's dividing lines with philosophies and, and arguments. And, you know, the car culture is such that you can talk to somebody that has a million-dollar car and another person that has a $40,000 car, and everybody is a fan of the car hobby. Everybody is very friendly. Everybody is happy to share stories about their car or hear stories about yours. And so I encourage everybody to be involved and, and don't be intimidated by it. It's a great community of people. But quickly on my inspirational quote, win or lose, you always have to suit up for the game. That's That's been my mantra. And um, the way my mother used to put it in different terms is another way of saying it is basically get dressed and show up for work and good things will happen. You know, so <laughs> yeah. half the battle is just doing that. Yeah. And that's what I've always found is that, you know, you get there and the opportunities will present themselves and the culmination of all our hard work over a long period of time will present new and exciting opportunities. And so the bottom line is win or lose, always suit up for the game. Absolutely. Well, you you played a lot of basketball, right? I did. You did. Yeah. So I love the way sports ties into this whole motivational concept. There are so many great coaches with great quotes and and things that we learn when we're involved with sports, I tried to be involved with sports, not at the level you were. You were way better than I was. Basketball was not my game. I'm not nearly tall enough. But I loved running track and soccer and football and all the different things. And my kids got involved. And you always remember those great coaches because they always had those great lines to give you to motivate you to get out there. Even when you felt like, we'll never win this game, they always got you fired up. Is that your experience? Absolutely. You know, my coach in high school was almost like a father figure to me and really had as much influence on the type of person that I became as my parents did. You know, you spend so much time with a coach and and so you learn a lot about uh, their philosophy of life and get a lot of input on things that you're doing well and not doing well and, and you learn to kind of tune out the volume and listen to the message. And so I think those were the things that, that I enjoyed and, and got the most out of with my relationship with my coach. Have you found, and this is a little bit of a different question than I ask most people, but have you found that you can use some of those things you learned from the coach in the business that you're in and in the involvement you've had in the Concord event? Uh, absolutely. You know, competition is what drives me on a daily basis, and I'm always looking for 
ways that I can work harder to improve the experience for my clients. And I take that to the Concours as well. You know, working with the great team of folks that we have that are committed to making our Concours de Elegance in La Jolla the best event that it can be and improving upon the event each year, year after year, and growing it and making a larger contribution to our charitable entities. It's just a fun thing to really throw your energies into and know that you've got people that are around you with the same commitment. And so it's it's been a great ride. Fantastic. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy? Yeah, it was funny. You know, when I was about seven years old, my uncle had ordered a brand new 1967 Pontiac Grand Prix. And somehow he understood the uh, the flow from Michigan into um, Southern California, and he knew that it was coming in on a rail car into Pico Rivera, and it was going to be offloaded and then trucked to the dealer. <laughs> and so one Saturday, he came and picked me up, and, and he said, we're going to Pico Rivera to see my new car. And I was like, cool. What? So we went, and and so we drove to this rail yard, and it was being a Saturday. It was closed, and it was you know chain link and, and barbed wire. I was watching him to see if he could find his car because there was a number of them out there. Oh, yeah. And I saw him get really excited at one point, and he pointed it out, and it was about 75 yards away, sitting in the sun by itself, and just glistening. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, wow, he's so excited, and that's beautiful. And, and I think that was the moment that I really got excited about cars and, and really saw them as, as much as, as artwork as, as they were you know, tools to get us from point A to point B. And that was a neat day. <laughs> no kidding. I ordered a new BMW probably 12 years ago, and BMW has a cool deal when you order a car. They send you these updates of where the car is. Like, has it started being built? It's being built. It's being loaded on the ship. It's crossing the ocean. And the day that my car arrived, they sent me a, a message, and I was working right down the street from the dealership, and they said, your vehicle is delivering today to your dealership. And I looked up, and I saw a BMW transport truck go by my window. No kidding. And I went, I'll bet my I'll bet my car's in there. So I jumped in my car, drove down to the dealership, and I was standing there as the truck was backing up, and my phone rings, and it was my salesman. He goes, hey, hey, Mark, your car's going to be here today. And I said, yeah, I'm standing here watching it unload off the truck. <laughs> and he goes, you're a car stalker. Oh, yeah, he goes, you are an enthusiast. I even took pictures of it, and I called it the birth of a BMW as it came out of the truck because it was the last car on the truck. So as it came down the birth canal, as I said, or the inside of the truck. <laughs> Only car people would understand that analogy for sure. Well, Bob, what I want to do, yeah, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Talk about a big challenge or maybe even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. And and of course, the reason this question is so important and means so much is it's these things teach us really valuable lessons that we can carry forward. So walk us through an experience that you had, if you would give you two, one real life and one automotive. When when I received my first car, it was a 69 Pontiac Grand Prix. And my dad had passed it down to me. And before he did that, he had it painted. So it was as good looking as it could look at that point in time in 1979, 10 years later. And the thing that became real obvious is that when you opened the hood, the, the interior of the engine compartment looked horrible. And so my uncle was there at the time and he said, we need to paint this. And I looked at all those hoses and all those wires (laughs) and all that grease, and I thought, no way. So we went down to the auto parts store. We bought engine degreaser and paint and tape. And, you know, long story short, 
is I spent a whole day masking off that engine and after degreasing it and, and painting it, and it came out looking as good as it did when it walked out of the show or drove out of the showroom. And nice. so that was a challenge that I thought was actually impossible that um, when I applied myself and had a little bit of direction and leadership from somebody that was older and wiser, was able to get it done. That was a, a fun little challenge. <laughs> no and, doubt. And, um, and mountain to climb. That I, I like to, to say is that as it relates to challenges in life, if you've got your health and in, in your mind, there really are no challenges. The people that I admire are people have physical disabilities and they have to maneuver through the the uh, the world with all the obstacles that it presents, whether it be a wheelchair or a blind person trying to take care of um, a simple task like grocery shopping. And mm-hmm. I've been so blessed in my life. I, I don't have any of those challenges that I face on a day-to-day basis. My biggest challenge is just finding the inspiration to put my very best effort forth on a daily basis. And so those are my heroes, people that have some sort of physical disability and still have to um, figure out how to get through life in this world that uh, you and I do so easily because we don't have a disability. It's easy to take health for granted until you don't have it. And I've had three guests here on Cars Yeah. Two are motorcycle guys. One is a mechanic chief for a racing team. All three are blind. And the two guys with the motorcycles both set land speed records on motorcycles, and they're blind. Go back and listen to those shows if you need some inspiration or if you think your life is tough. And then the uh, the chief mechanic, uh, he was blinded at work and was feeling sorry for himself, of course, as you would, and then decided one day, darn it, I'm going to keep doing what I love. And he is the only blind crew chief on a racing team in the world that we know of, so... Talk about inspiration. Go back and listen to those three gentlemen on cars. Yeah. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment, or maybe it's a Concord aha moment or a car aha moment. Whatever it is, it's one of those things that kind of illuminates your way for a new direction in your life to create a pivot of some sort. So take us to yours. I think it's probably in my career when I, I've been doing what I do for the servicing the high net worth community with insurance brokering products. And, and one of the things that uh, I've always done is I've done it in a corporate environment. And the aha moment for me is when I joined Lockton Insurance Brokers and realized the freedom that I had to operate and do the right thing by my client within the environment of an LLC versus a corporate structure that was very rigorous and, mm-hmm. and cultural um, focus was more on Wall Street and three months from now where our numbers were going to come in than on clients. And so that was my aha moment. I, I've really found that um, being here at Lockton, I have an opportunity to do right by my client every day without any outside influence that's contrary to that belief. And I have a great team behind me working to support our clients. And they have a great understanding of our markets that we work with that are designed for high net worth families. And so it's just been a great, great move and a great uh, opportunity for me being at Lockton these last two years. Oh, no doubt. And I would imagine also working with the client base you do very different than, let's say, a regular client that has one home, one car, two cars. There's so much complexity involved in the client base that you have, so many moving pieces and so much protection needed because in some cases, those folks with high net worth are targets by some unscrupulous people sometimes that want to take advantage of them. I, I think it's a great environment that's been created there at Lockton for you guys to do that because you're right, in bigger insurance companies, the clients so often you feel like just a little cog or, or nothing. You know, it's like, oh, they're trying not to help me. And so I'm, ha- I'm really happy to hear that. What's the best way for our listeners to find out more about your company? 
Lockton.com, L-O-C-K-T-O-N.com is the best way to learn more about Lockton. You can check out my LinkedIn page. My name Bob Kerner, K-E-R-N-E-R on LinkedIn. You'll find me in, in my specialty. And then um, our signature client practice is available via telephone as well. That's 949-252-4424. There you go. I'll make sure all of these are noted on Bob's show notes page on the Cars yeah website as well. So you can check them out. So let's have a little bit of fun. Talk about your first really special car and maybe a memory you have about that vehicle. There's kind of a couple. Yeah, I had a bike and a car. So I'll give you a quick um, okay. review of cool. both those experiences. So when I was six or seven, my parents bought me a Schwinn bike with spring forks, just the neatest bike that you'd ever want to see. And it was uh, British Racing Green. Was, I think they spent about $80 on it, which would probably be equivalent to $1,000 in today's dollars. And they didn't have that money to spend. And and so the, the crushing moment for me with this or neat bike that gave me such a thrill was I'd only had it for a couple of days. And a friend of mine wanted to go over to the elementary school. So I rode over. He walked. I parked it, we played catch with baseball, and then he decided let's hop the fence and go get something to eat at his house, which is right up, backed up against the field. And so we did that, completely forgot that my bike was parked at the school. Oh, no. Didn't realize it till the next morning when I woke up and it wasn't in the garage, backtracked my my steps and realized it was at the school, went there, it was gone. And I'll never forget the crushed and disappointed look that my parents had on their face when they realized so I learned so much from that. It was a, a moment that really taught me to be responsible and grow up really quick. So that that was probably my first real special Vehicle. in terms of the <laughs> level of excitement. Yeah. yeah, with something with wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but the best car that I I ever owned was was a 1986 Mercedes Benz 300E. That was back when Mercedes was Mercedes. I mean, the steering wheel felt like quality. Yep. And, you yep. know, they had that unique gear shift track, and, and it would just pop into gear like it knew where you wanted to go with it. It was before they were putting bells and whistles in the car to compete with Lexus. It was just yeah. a basic car, but it was built better than anybody else. Oh, yeah. That car, when I first bought that and drove it, it was like a whole nother level, and it was just really cool. I, I just really wish that cars were still made that way these days rather than having all the bells and whistles. And it, it was just like you know, old German cars were. The, the radio was designed to have the, the speed dial buttons depressed a million times and not break, but it <laughs> yeah. couldn't tune in a radio station yeah. for anything. <laughs> oh, I loved those cars. I wanted one so bad. I couldn't afford one at the time. And I really wanted the wagon. I wanted my wife to have that wagon. I thought that was the coolest thing. And then they came out with that 500E that Porsche built for them. Oh, my gosh. That thing took everything the 300 was and then put that motor in there, and it was just a beast. Yep. Awesome cars. I've got a a good friend, uh, Mr. Pounder, uh, who's listening out there, who has one that is just, even today, it's quite a special car. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go you really wish you had back? Well, before we jump into that, Mark, I'd like to just share a quick little story about that 300. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, um, Please do. That, w- that was really meaningful. You know, I was washing my, my wife's car one day in the driveway, and my in-laws were visiting, and my mother-in-law came out into the garage, and this was the first Mercedes in the family. And so she went out there and opened the door and sat down in the driver's seat, and she proceeded to touch and feel and stare at 
And she was in that car for probably 20, 25 minutes. And I later realized that she grew up in Germany. And so I think that was a time trip or a time travel Mm -hmm. for her back into her childhood, seeing all the German, you know, designated controls on the radio and touching the, the, you know, the things that she had remembered as a child driving around in Mercedes. And so it was, it was a neat experience for her, but I think everyone has the opportunity in the car collector world to take a trip back in time by getting in an older antique car, classic car, and just seeing what it would have been like to ride down the road from, you know, the house to the grocery store in a car like that. And so that's kind of neat. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome story. I love that trip down memory road. Well, how about that seller's remorse story I asked you about? Is there a tear in your eye for a car? Yeah, you know, I think the 69 Grand Prix was such a fast car. You know, it was a true muscle car, but probably a little bit more on the luxury side than it was in the muscle space, but it certainly had the the engine and the performance capabilities. But that car, I I really wish, you know, they should make it a law that your first car you can't ever sell. (laughs) And and the reason... The reason why we sell them is to get the down payment for the new one. Of course, um, yeah. And there's a lot of emotion involved in that. But in retrospect, if I still had that, I'd be thrilled. You know, it was a a car that would go zero to 60, and I think the best time I had was 5.9 seconds. But where it really impressed was going from 50 to 90, like accelerating onto the freeway. It would go 50 to 90 in no time. It, It was just, it was like wanting to gallop. It had all the power in the world. So that's my seller's remorse. Well, Bob, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that story uh, a thousand plus times now, I'd have a lot of nickels. Uh, I've heard it many, many times, and I'm in the same boat, so don't feel so bad. Well, let's tell our listeners a little bit more about the La Jolla Concours. I'd love for you to share your perspective on this event. You've been involved long enough now that you've participated, you've been there, you know so much about it. So for those folks fortunate enough to set some time aside to be in La Jolla, the San Diego area, April 6th, 7th, and 8th, and I would encourage anyone listening to take the time to go to this event because it's it's spectacular. I grew up in La Jolla. I used to body surf right off the cove there at Boomer's Beach. It's just one of the most spectacular settings, and the weather's always so delightful. So tell us your perspective on what people could expect to see at the Concord this year. Well, I, I think you're going to see the best field of cars that we've ever placed out there. Our featured mark this year is the Lincoln. And, you know, when I first heard that um, we were going to feature Lincoln, I thought, oh, I'm not really a Lincoln guy. This is going to be a tough year. As I went with through the process with our car sourcing committee and identified the collectors out in the, the western states that had some great and started learning more about Lincolns, I realized that the Lincolns from the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s are just amazing vehicles. Mm-hmm. And we've got 18 of, of the very best Lincolns in the world that will be on the lawn at, at La Jolla. And so I really encourage you to come out and see that. It's something special. We've got nine or 10 classes now. We've got about 136, 37 cars. It's going to be a great field. We've got European classics. We've got sports cars. We've got coach built. We've got pre-war. We've got post-war. There's something for everybody. And as you mentioned, it's just a delightful day at Ellen Scripps Park in the La Jolla Cove. And there's also a flyover as well. There's plenty of things for young and old to be entertained by at the yeah. La Jolla Concours. 
I've been involved in it for five years. It's been a great ride. You know, I've had multiple responsibilities, but this year I've taken on the responsibility of chairing the car sourcing team. And I've worked with some great people who have um, some great relationships with collectors all over the state. And the vehicles that we brought to the Concord this year through that team, I'm just really proud to be associated with all those guys and, and the entire board, just great people who are committed to making this event the best that it can be. Absolutely. And you, you said the, the word young. I think it's really important. If you have a youngster in your life or even a neighbor kid or something, maybe their parents aren't into cars, but offer to take them to a car show. And this car show would be a great start because you could start a flame that is never ending and a passion and a love for cars that could really start with a youngster and taking them to see cars like the Lincolns you're talking about, cars they've never even imagined. That's what a car used to look like in the 30s and 40s, even 50s. So spectacular. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Bob. If you were a car, what would Bob be and why? And it's not so much what you want to be. It's how you perceive yourself manifested into a vehicle. You know, it's a great question and one that um, I could go a bunch of different directions, (laughs) but I have to be honest with myself. Yeah, that's (laughs) the hard part. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would be a 1965 Pontiac GTO. It was a neat, neat car. It was it was when it finally turned the corner and started looking sporty, yeah. and it also had the performance to go with it. But a 389 engine with tri-power, and if for those of our listeners here that are not familiar with tri-power, it was three two-barrel carburetors, mm, yeah. and you would drive around the city on a two-barrel, but when you'd punch it, all six barrels would kick in, and it would suck up the road and head out. And so... Marginally good-looking, very high performance. That's kind of Bob Kerner in a package. So dare I call you an old goat? <laughs> I'm an old goat. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And for those of you that don't know, the GTO, of course, these days is, is called the goat. So I, I'm not poking fun at Bob here as an old goat. But I, I love the way you answered that question. That's great. Love the GTO. And yeah, boy, when all those barrels opened up, it did suck a lot of stuff, including gasoline, too. Oh, my gosh. But, That's uh, so true. Uh, fantastic cars. Well, Bob, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners. This is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt. And mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with cover craft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com, and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. 
They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Bob, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? By quality. You know, recently I was looking at a 1929 Cadillac V8 and I was really contemplating purchasing it. Talked to a number of car collector experts that uh, that I know and as they talked me through the car I quickly realized that it wasn't that great of a driver it wasn't going to hold value that it was overpriced and that my emotional response to wanting to buy it was because it was so well restored but I would be very disappointed when I turned around and sold it and and didn't get what I'd paid for it yeah. so I think buy quality you know and you touched on a really important thing and that is get the wisdom of people who know more about that vehicle than you. I've been asked by so many friends to be the, they call me the D-mister. Come with me when I go to look at this car and talk me out of it. Tell me what I'm not seeing when I've got that red miss. And I've even got some friends whose wives, I'll mention Mary, uh, who call me all the time saying, oh my gosh, Bill's thinking about buying a car. Talk him out of it. (laughs) So I have to walk, I have to, yeah, I have to walk a very delicate line to keep both of those friends happy with me. So Oh, but you know, it's really smart. Bring somebody with you because they will see the things that your misty eyes will overlook when you're so enthralled with that vehicle you think is right for you. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Yeah, and that would be compete hard, you know, compete. And and my clients quickly realize that I'm going to work hard to find value for them Mm -hmm. and that we're going to work hard to make sure that um, that we continue to service their their business on a day-to-day basis. And that's what we do here at Lockdown. We live service. And so I, I think just competing to make the client experience something that's beyond their expectations has really been my mantra. We live a service. I love those three words. That's a great, great uh a uh, byline for Lockton. I like that. Now, how about a resource? Is there a resource out there that you think our listeners would enjoy that you like? Well, what I would encourage our listeners to do is take advantage of the local automotive museums that are in our areas. You know, there's a great one down in San Diego County. Only yesterday, by appointment, there's the Peterson in Los Angeles. There's the Academy of Art University Automotive Museum up in San Francisco and many others, too, too numerous to mention. But take a young person to an automotive museum and, and expose them to a car that was built well before they were born and, and let them know what it was like in the automotive world back in that time and, and take them on that little time trip back in those days, what it was like to, to ride in that car yeah. and, and turn them into another car car fan and and car hobbyist. I think that's the important resource that I would offer up. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm just 10 minutes away from the LeMay Museum up here in the Pacific Northwest, and they actually have drive-arounds. They have a little show field, and you can bring young kids, and they can jump in these old cars and go for a ride in them. 
But I've got a category on the Cars Yeah website under resources of museums. I've interviewed many, many people from museums. Just the other day, I interviewed somebody from the Ford, the Henry Ford, which is a spectacular museum. I mean, it just blows just a whole village more than just a museum. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Great ones down in San Diego and Los Angeles, too. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, if I could arrange that for you, who would it be? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it'd have to be Lee Iacocca. Yeah. Lee had a very accomplished career long before he joined Chrysler as their CEO. But the thing that the challenge that he took on by taking over Chrysler and getting bailed out by the government and turning a, a company that was about to go under into a huge success at that point in time, I think would be such an interesting conversation. And, you know, the, the things that he could share, I think, would just be fascinating for a car guy like me. Absolutely. And that might tie into this next question, and that is a book. I know that uh, Lee Iacocca has written a great book, but is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Oh, you know, um, you know, one that kind of ties into my business model that I'm very interested in, and it's authored by a good friend, Harry Clark, but it's Mistakes Millionaires Make. And, mm. and you know, one of the things that, that I pulled out very quickly is a lot of individuals, once they achieve a level of success that allows them to acquire other companies and grow their business exponentially, will sometimes make those decisions in their due diligence based on emotion rather than non-emotional fact-finding. Mm. And, and so that's the, one of the biggest mistakes that, that can occur. And that's one of the things that Harry points out in his book. And, and I think there's lessons for anyone at any economic level to pull from the book. So again, Mistakes Millionaires Make by Harry Clark. Well, I'm glad you added that last sentence there because a lot of folks may not be millionaires. They may think, oh, what could I learn from that? I'm never going to be able to buy a company or do this and that. But I would assume you just take some digits off the right side, move the decimal point left. And a lot of those principles apply to any decision making in life, whether it's buying a collector car or getting involved in a business or whatever it might be. So I'm glad you recommended that book. First time that book's been recommended here on Cars Yeah. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources Bob has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Bob Herner, K-E-R-N-E-R, and that page will pop right up, including that great book. All right, Bob, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today, but you've got to have only one in your garage. You're going to have to get rid of all your cars. You can only have one, but don't worry about the cost because I'm going to pay for it. I'll even cover the insurance costs. I'm that kind of a guy. You'll like that. What's that car going to be for you and why? Well, your lead-in comment of doozy is very appropriate because my car would be a 1932 Duesenberg Model J. I just think that there was so much wow power within that car. It just takes my breath away each time I see one. And to have that in your driveway in 1932, when there were so many Model T junkers running around, it was just light years ahead of that in terms of luxury and looks and styling. And it's my all-time favorite car. Well, you did pick a doozy, didn't you? Thank you very much. This is going to cost me a pretty penny, but I've been fortunate to attend many, many Concours events, including I think this summer will be my 27th year going to Pebble Beach and seen many Duesenbergs on the lawn. I've had friends up here in the Pacific Northwest that have them, spent days around them photographing and so forth. And a lot of times people think of those old cars like, oh, that old big car. But when you ride in one of those things, it's a whole different experience. It's And it's kind of – if a big car can be sporty, the Model J 
at Sporty. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. What color would you like me to find you one of those in? <laughs> Burgundy, please. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll get to work. It shouldn't be too hard. Bob, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset towards the La Jolla Concours in your very own 32 Duesenberg Model J? My parting thought is we need to continue to develop the younger generation's interest in cars. You know, the industry is changing very dramatically with autonomous cars and electronics that really change it from an automobile, more a feature-loaded experience. And so I would say take a young person to a Concours, a Cars and Coffee, an automotive museum, and get them hooked on the passion of cars and our great hobby so that it will perpetuate into the future. And, you know, as it relates to my business, I would just say if, if we can be of help to any individual with significant assets that um, would like a locked-in solution, I would be delighted to help. And we've talked about ways of getting in touch with me, but please do reach out. Let's share those again. How does somebody get a hold of you? And then how do they learn more about the La Jolla Concourse so they can take a young person to that show? My email, bkerner, so B-K-E-R-N-E-R, at locked-in.com. That's L-O-C-K-T-O-N.com. And... The La Jolla Concours can be, um, you can learn more about it on our website, and that's La Jolla Concours, and Concours is spelled C-O-N-C-O-U-R-S dot com, and you'll find uh, events that are happening throughout the weekend that you can participate in and purchase tickets for that are other than the Concours on Sunday, so you may find that uh, it's a full weekend of activities that you can be involved in from the Tour de Elegance on Saturday to the swanky fun party on Friday night that's sponsored by Rolls-Royce that um, will allow you to uh, kick your heels up a little bit. But it's a great weekend. The event is spectacular, and I hope that um, you come and check it out this year. Absolutely. And again, I'll remind the listeners, you can find all of this information on Bob's show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Bob Kerner. That page will pop right up. And again, the La Jolla Concord Elegance takes place April 6th, 7th, and 8th, of course, the main concourse on Sunday the 8th in the beautiful city of La Jolla, California, down there at the Cove overlooking the Pacific Ocean. You can learn more about this again at LaJollaConcord.com. I hope to see you there. Bob, thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars yeah audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the La Jolla Concord. Mark, it was my honor. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!